Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello, fellow dorks. This is Jackie Cation. Welcome to episode 32 which is a dork expedition to Atlas Coffee in Seattle. David Crow, stand-up comic, great stand-up comic, really wanted me to meet Craig Holt, who is the host, the host, the owner of Atlas Coffee, which is a, a coffee importer. And so we just started recording right away, walking into it. We're in his lab, and then he took us to lunch. So the gorilla nature of this particular podcast means that you can hear me talking. You can hear all of us talking. At one point, you can hear the waitress talking uh, about her political views. And uh, that'll be fun for everyone. But I would love feedback from people, whether or not this type of thing, the dork expedition part of it, with sort of the messy audio that it creates, is something that interests you. Uh, I can figure out a way to do better audio. According to Patrick Brady, who does the audio leveling, he has recommended some some fixes that I could do in, in, for future dork expeditions. But speaking of which, Audio Leveling by Patrick Brady. The music is by Mike Rickberg. The website, dorkforest.com and jackiecation.com, are being done by Vilmos, who has his own podcast, which is called Green Room Radio. And it is interview with a lot of road comics, and it's kind of fascinating. So you should listen to that. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and... I think we're just going to jump right into it. Well, welcome to Atlas. Look at this. Listen this thing. It's awesome. Oh. If you wanted your welcome home to smell to like laboratory. coffee, move in here when they come. Laboratory. The Atlas okay. Lab. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here's the man. And there it hey, is. How's it Hi. going? Craig? Yeah. Jackie. Craig. Nice Jackie, to meet you. Good to meet you. Craig? Jackie? Jackie. Hi, David. David. <laughs> David, I'm Craig. This is welcome. awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's kind of noisy. What's happening? What? What's happening? This is a dork. Okay. This I'm Jackie. <laughs> yeah, Drew. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. This yeah. is like a. This is a lab. Yeah. You're a mad scientist. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it, it truly is a lab. Hang on a second. This is neat. Can I? Uh, yeah. Make you a coffee. Yeah. It turns out uh, I'm, I'm coffee oriented myself. Yes. I'll tell. Yeah. I don't know what kind, but whatever. Yeah. I can do. Well, there are a couple things. First of all, I got a cupping set up over on the table over here. What's cupping? It sounds like a leaky environment. Yeah, it, it, it is like, always something. Sometimes people think it's akin to tea bagging. So this is how we taste coffee to decide if we're going to buy it or not. Okay. And I've got a raft of coffees on here. A couple of Colombias, Mexico FTO, very organic. Nick FTO, Ethiopia from a dude named Gabe. Long story. Jaconas. <laughs> And uh, Kona being uh, Indonesia, Kona being Hawaii, Hawaii. It's Hello, Big Island. Oh, there you go. And it's a good table because everybody, you know, when you talk about the best cops in the world, a lot of people think you're talking about Hawaii. Yeah, not. Oh, and hopefully, this table. Well, not there's a chance at this table would show you that uh, while Kona is often beautifully processed coffee, it's not necessarily the cat's pajamas. There are coffees out there that are more complex, more interesting. So, yeah. Um, Where is this one from? So, this is Sulawesi. African? This is an Indonesian island. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you've got, if you're looking at a map and you've got, say, um, Jakarta and the island of Java over here, you've got Sulawesi kind of here. Right. And then Sumatra's down here, and it's northern Sumatra that we talk about when we talk about Arab. Okay. Most people, when they talk about an Indonesian coffee, they're thinking about Sumatras. Yeah. But it's... Uh, but Sulawesi? Sulawesi. Sulawesi. Thanks for playing. Everybody pronounces them differently. Okay. We've got a coffee we call Guatemalan Tikal. Mm -hmm. We also have a coffee that you buy from Sumatra a lot called Mandaling. Mm -hmm. And I did once have a client call and say they wanted a Guatemalan, a, bo a bag of Guatemalan tickle and a Sumatra manhandling. So. All right. <laughs> I said, yeah, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who doesn't want that? Oh, light bulb. Yeah, this is uh, this is amazing. The setup. So, would you like to start with an espresso-based drink? 
Um, I could uh, do espresso, macchiato, americano, latte. I, I usually do a latte. I don't know what if house here. Okay. What's well, a macchiato? A macchiato is just a midget latte, really. The way okay. I it, it's, instead of two ounces of espresso and four ounces of milk, it's yeah. two ounces of espresso two ounces of milk. David, we do not have beverage. Yes, you got macchiato. Right. You find that the better the coffee, the less milk you want. All right, well, I'll try that. Okay. I'll try that. That'll well, be great. The coffee gets so That's good. I'll do it in this cup so that if you decide you're still ready for the milk, right. we can bring the cow. Okay. All right. I had some sort of Seattle-based uh, breakfast that uh, was uh, eggs that chose to be laid. I mean, the whole yeah, thing yeah, was yeah. very... The right. local cheddar. There was a local cheddar. I was oh, like, yeah. all right, I'll take a local. Seattle Center. The Seattle Center There's has cows. Cow. There's one. one cow. It's free range, but in a basement. <laughs> There's no light. I was, I was trying to buy eggs. Uh, it's like Logan's Run. Yesterday, and, and they, the whole life story of the chicken, eggs, and then just the jumbo eggs for a dollar a dozen. I don't know. I'm starting to move to the point where... I think it's better just to kill the bird. I want to. I want to. I want to eat a bird that wanted to be killed. Not oh yeah. That's had a great life. I have a. I like organic cotton t-shirts because it's cotton that chose to become t-shirts. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, who doesn't? No cruelty whatsoever. No, everybody's just involved. There's too much, really. Uh, <laughs> look at that. So, what kind of coffee are you making? This is a blend I call Rosebud. That it is the key to my marriage. I've been making my wife espresso in the morning for 17 years now. Oh, um, that's neat. And it's a blend of Ethiopian Harar, Brazil natural process, and in this case, a Guatemalan. Wow. And there's there's so much terminology. It's kind of hard to know where to start. You know, yeah, people. Yeah. If you're not in the business, I've, I've had conversations on the phone where Sarah was like, do, do you ever speak English? Because <laughs> there's so much jargon. But that's perfect for the door chorus, quite honestly, just because what I'm looking for is that someone has too much information about something. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> have I chosen wisely? Yes, you've come to the right place. <laughs> Thank you very much. David Kerr. And uh, so... So what does Atlas do? What is... I am the much maligned middleman. I'm hang on, hang on. Before you answer that. Okay. What the hell is this new spitting, conical, this grinder is, thing? This I've is never the Rover E. <laughs> the uh, Rover E? Rover. Mm-hmm. It's a basically robotic bird. It's conical okay. burrs. And instead of having a flat... You know, it's kind of weird that you would drop coffee into a flat thing. And then have to dose it out. Yeah. And there's a lot of waste in this because anything that just sits like this, everything that's sitting in here, I have to throw away. And that's almost a shot because you, you need it fresh. Um, so the Rover E gets everything perfectly ground with just the right. And it's conical, so it. So everything. And it so it just funnels it down, down to. Yeah, okay. So you don't have waste. And it doesn't hang onto the sides? Right. Okay. Like something that Dr. Evil would. It uh, weighs as much as my son. I mean, it's yeah. it's huge. It's massive. Yeah. That machine. That you machine. See a lot of these in the home. Yeah. This thing is. <laughs> yeah. This is. It's a. It's patent number pending. Way, no, no, it's all working. Look at how this is running. This is a great shot. It's for like twin mouse tails coming down. Yeah. Um, lots. It's nothing but crema. And that means we're getting all the nice lipids and sugars out of the coffee and all those nice organic acids without sucking out the cellulose you know, kind of the woody substructure of the coffee. Okay. Nice catch. Got it. Good recovery. Yeah, yeah. Check on the doll. Alright. So you're from... Where? I, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm... Oh, you're uh, in LA. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... But it's, um... Yeah, I'm wondering. I was going to ask. I have so many questions, Craig. So many. And one of them is, what do you think of decaf? I think that decaf can be okay, that they've come a long way. It used to be shit, right? Right. Um, I used to like ask because you would, in addition to torturing the beans by sucking out a lot of the, the flavor solids, you would also start, because they're like, well, it's just decaf, we'll start with crap. Oh, start and, with crisp. You know, with so you start with bad coffee, okay. decaffeinated, and it's worse. Right, so. <laughs> it turns out. Keep the fucking move. Yeah. Right. So, so what, like, Swiss water does, 
the Swiss water pro- process, which I've heard of. Yeah, I and describe that. Okay, because previously I had an unsubstantiated belief that the decaffeination process was uh, you were running caffeinated coffee through a cheesecloth made of cancer. Yeah, exactly. That's functionally what a lot of people believe. <laughs> It's, uh, but I think that there's more to it. Yeah. There might be some science happening. Yeah, I've been to the place where they do the decaffeination. Almost all the world's uh, chemical decafs happen in Germany. Oh, really? And, uh, and it's like the seventh circle of hell. It's a nightmare. But just dark and grim and pipes everywhere and, like, stalactites of pure caffeine hanging down. It's like if, if, if Brazil were episodic. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. But colder than fuck. Yeah, it was wow. a nightmare. Yeah, let's talk about the this. This is uh, well one-handed. You're doing uh, design you work go. on top of it with the foam. I get this little number correct. That's you. Yeah, that's me because he gets the tiny start one. With more milk, and we can show you what you know. Wow. So the thing about this coffee is that it's you know everybody says they want strong coffee. What they mean is they want a lot of flavor, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and when you're trying to get the coffee to punch through like 16 ounces of cow tea, yeah, you want something that's pretty rugged, right? Kind of scrappy, kind mm-hmm. of edgy, um, because the milk is kind of a soft tasting thing. Yeah, yeah. This coffee is made to have a lot of flavor and to be strong without being acrid. Yeah. What you get is kind of bright up front, kind of some tartness almost. But what you're left with as you drink it is more of sort of a caramel bonbon thing going on. There's it's really, really good. Yeah. It's not. It's not bitter at all. No. It just caramel all bonbon is uh, half description. It really is. It's. It's got. It's so. It's crazy flavorful. Yeah. It's like I don't. I don't have the technical jargon down for you, but. Um, right. But it is. It's got that. And I also usually don't like any foam. Right. Just because I'm I'm pro coffee and milk and right. anti foam. Yeah. But this has just the sort of right, like it. I don't, I don't like what there's a half an inch of foam on it. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, I mean, there's usually foam is just you know some hungover barista you know with an itchy new tattoo. And, <laughs> you know, and you get these huge bubbles. Yeah. It's not very gratifying. So. Yeah. There's a whole. I mean, that's the funny thing about this business. Whether it's the roasting that Drew's doing or the cupping that we do. Or you know, blending coffee, or pulling a shot, or brewing coffee. There's a science to all of it, um, and there's such a huge gap between what you can get away with and what's possible. And once you've had great coffee, it's really a, it's a shame, kind of to go back. Yeah, it's almost like what uh, now? What's happened? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Craig, Craig bought me a, for my wedding, or not wedding, the uh, the baby shower. He bought Inga and I a, a, a Pavoni. Which is a home hand pull machine where you can pull your own espresso. And then we got a, a grinder, a conical grinder, not with not the E rover, the rover E, right? But, uh, but we got a home grinder. And when you, the difference between coffee that was ground yesterday or two days ago or a week ago and stuff that's ground right now and then I uh, used it for espresso, yeah, is night and day. It's so what? What freshness is huge with coffee? What's happened is, is I can no longer drink a Starbucks latte or cappuccino. I, whenever I'm traveling, I just get a cup of drip coffee and put half and half and some cinnamon in it. Because ah, the lattes, you might as well. The lattes and cappuccinos are such a disappointment compared to oh, yeah. what I've yeah. come to expect. Yeah, at I home. just do the pipe. I do a pipe place drip. Right. Oh well. <laughs> call it. I would like a cup of coffee to some extent. Right. Yeah. Everybody, it, it is fashionable with my clients to hash on Starbucks really hard, but they created the industry that we work in. Yeah. So God bless their wicked hearts. Right. And they've always treated their uh, vendors at Origin really well. Okay. You know, when the market was in the shitter, Starbucks, fair trade be damned, Starbucks was the one to go in and get, say, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's define a living, you know, price for you. Okay. Good price, and we'll pay that for the next five years. Okay. If you hit the quality. Okay. Um, so people like to claim that they're like the big evil giant, but specialty as a whole is only fifteen percent of the coffee industry globally. Okay. So far from being the huge evil giant, Starbucks actually treats their growers really well. They treat their um, vendors really well here on the import side. They treat their, their um, employees extremely well. Yeah, so. the, the, it's a pretty good job job, you know, yeah. for 
for college kids and, and, and for someone who just needs, um, what is it, uh, benefits. Yeah. Yeah, because exactly. everybody gets benefits. I think even part-time gets benefits yep. over there. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and so when, it's interesting because they actually have to battle with their shareholders a lot because they treat their employees, quote, unquote, too well. I go, okay, I treat my two companies in the Northwest have that problem with their shareholders, Costco and Starbucks. Struggling companies? Turns I don't know. No. Turns out no. Uh, it's almost like that's a good fucking idea. Right, it's almost like it makes sense. Because yeah. what you have, I remember the line, ah, yes, from It's a Wonderful Life. It's like, those regular people are the ones that do most of the living and dying in this in this town, Mr. Potter. That's right. So there's no reason yeah. to treat those people. You know, wait, you say that they have to earn the right to own a house? Yeah. What, what are you talking about? When, when they're too old to appreciate it? Anyway, I'm channeling Jimmy Stewart. I'll be over there. <laughs> there we go. That's a little Wisconsin in here. Yeah. A little Wisconsin, yes. <laughs> you, you're originally from Milwaukee? I'm from Wisconsin, yeah. I'm, I went to college in Madison. Okay. And I'm from I outside got, of Milwaukee. I got two Milwaukee folks working for me. Oh, Karen, do you? Karen up front, the blonde lady on that side, and yep. then Al. They both grew up in uh, in Milwaukee? Yeah. Nice. Well, you know what we like to do in Wisconsin? We like to go somewhere where it's darker and colder. Yeah. And either darker or colder. Uh, there's a lot of people from Wisconsin and Alaska who are like, it's just not cold and <laughs> dark enough hardcore. here. Yeah, let's go to Alaska and crawl into a bottle. Yeah. That's going to be yeah. fantastic. Wisconsin's just too warm <laughs> Wisconsin's what? Too warm these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can't. And with the sun... What's with the sun all the time? So this is a decaf macchiato. Okay. That's great. It's, uh, so what? So when they say water process, what do they mean? Like so I, all decaffeination processes are bringing the coffee into contact with some agent that leaches out the caffeine from the coffee. So in the case of Swiss water, you're talking about a coffee that... Um, they take a batch of coffee and they put it into a tub full of water that's at about, I think about 180 degrees, if I'm not mistaken. And they soak the coffee in it, and it pulls out, that hot water pulls out the flavor solids along with a lot of flavor solids along with the caffeine, 98% of caffeine. And then what they do is they take that batch of coffee out of there and they throw it away. And they take that water and they run it through carbon filters that fix only the caffeine and leave all the flavor solids in that water. They dump that water back in the tank. Now you have a tank full of coffee, a uh, tank full of water with coffee flavor in it. Right. Basically flavor-charged water. Okay. And then they put a new batch of coffee on there, fresh coffee that hasn't been decapitated. And theoretically, the only uh, thing that's going to be extracted now, because the, at a molecular level, the water is already saturated with flavor solids, only the caffeine has a place in that water. So it leaches out just the caffeine, leaving the flavor intact, run the water away. They recycle that water time and again. Uh, they do several uh, batches with it. Okay. But the coffee then goes off and gets dried again, and you've got decaf. Simple. Very simple. Very simple. Doesn't sound like it works. Uh, I don't. But the thing, I don't know anything about science. I mean, because I'm just like you would think the caffeine would be in the bean. Well, it is, but that's why you do hot water because you basically you've got this woody seed, right? Mm -hmm. Very dense and very tight. And by what putting it in the water, is, right? it's a yeah. seed. Okay. Well, we'll look at those in a second. Um, but you, what you do is you saturate it in hot water, and so it opens up and softens. Okay. They're they're actually relatively soft before you dry them down to between ten and twelve percent moisture, which is what we do. Okay. And then uh, at that point, you know, once it's softened up, it will actually pull the caffeine. And they they test it constantly to make sure that it's actually getting the stuff out. And what now? Is is that Swiss water process obviously invented in Switzerland? Or something. It would appear so. Yeah, but from the but from you don't buy any from Switzerland. Right. What? It's all still happening in Germany? Vancouver, B.C. Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, They're Canadians. up in Burnaby, you know. Old yeah, Christ. they do a lot of decaf up there. <laughs> so oh. look, at the, look at the foam. See how you don't see bubbles, right? You just yeah. see kind of a... A cream. A velvety cream. Yeah. That's good foam. And a lot of it in this case. I've actually got too much foam to work with in that cup. And this is a decaf macchiato? Yeah. Want to split this? Yeah, go right. ahead. Not like you're going to get over caffeinated. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. And that's just not, that's not bad, is it? No. It tastes like coffee. It tastes like coffee, which is all I'm looking for, really, <laughs> in a cup of coffee. It's more psychological sometimes. Yeah. But there's something about, like, decaf, even when it's really good, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you done to me? Wow. It's sort of like the difference between a listening to a, a big band with all kinds of instruments and then just the horn section. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's got, it's, one, yeah. it's got one note. It does have one note. It's true. It <laughs> well, does. Yeah. Or it's like a rock band with no drummer to me. Or no bass. Yeah. Oh. Stray Cats. Yeah. Stray Cats didn't have a drummer. You know, my music references are all from that era. Thank yeah. you for playing. Uh, 1986. Thanks yeah. for, yeah. It appears we're about the same age then. So you are essentially a coffee distributor. And, I'm and the guy that goes around the world and finds the coffee and people growing it. And I get it here in good order and in time. And I sell it to the people who roast it. So a big part of my job is really, you know, my tongue and my nose. Our job is to taste coffee and know the difference between shit and chinola, basically. And to, to be able to say, you know what, this is a coffee that works for this client. This is a coffee that I've got somebody looking for this kind of flavor profile. I think this one over here works for that. And to really be able to tell wow. not just what's okay, but what's right for our clients. So mm-hmm. our clients especially are the people who are really looking for top 2% coffees. So it's a great job because you end up working on the producer side with people who are really passionate about what they do and are working really, really hard to produce great coffee. Um, and then on the consumer side, you've got people who are just completely geeked on what they do, who have followed a very specific interest into a hole and never come out. Okay. You know? Um, wow. It's... It's the soil that makes different coffee, right? I mean, or it's what? It's the soil. It's the genetic strain. It's sort of, sort of like a flower, really. It's a leaf it's that like you've a, created. It's a, it's an oak leaf. Yeah, there you go. It's an oak leaf. It looks like an oak leaf in in cream. Yeah. For the longest time, all I could muster for the art was what looked a lot like a pair of butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah. So let me. Uh, yeah. Talk you through all this. Talk me through this. So, when somebody offers us a coffee, we get a sample like this, maybe 300 grams or so on average. And we'll take that coffee, and we will check the green coffee for defects. The Green Coffee Association of New York City? GCA is, yeah, they are an entity that you can use for arbitration and stuff. They're sort of a, call it a governing body of the business of coffee. And so they they sort of define stuff for it or help you... Give there it a are, name or there are this is stuff that's not very interesting but it's worth knowing. But basically the Green Coffee Association is the one that sets and administers standards for the purchase and sale of coffee. The specialty coffee association has a, a standard as well, which is actually the one that we use. I got these God, I got these when I started the business like fourteen years ago now. Um, back when coffee was traded, Dave come over here. Open outcry on the floor of the World Trade Center. Exchange, okay. Right. You know, guys in funny colored jackets, gesturing and stuff. Did that so, commodity stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so coffee is one of the more highly traded commodities on the planet. Uh, sure. It's up there in things like oil. Right. In terms and, of dollar value. And, and, and that's been relatively, I mean, is that sort of a Starbucks created? No. The, the it's market always itself? Been, yeah. It's, it's always coffee been Coffee as a commodity huge. has been for a long, long time. Ever yeah. since coffee became very popular back in the 1700s or when? When, wow. did when, did, when, did, when did it become a commodity? That's a great question. Let me find that out. I, I don't know okay. um, exactly when it was, but it's certainly been, you know, a hundred years. Okay. So, so through the 20th century, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. And you see historical charts uh, going back, you know, to the early part of the century where you can see that as a commodity coffee rises and falls, rises and falls. Right, right now we're at, we were, we just come off of 34-year highs. Um and a lot of people are blaming global warming, but it's much more complicated than that. This is one of those things where... So there's been sort of a crash? Or not a, a crash, not, no. Let's not See, call we, it a crash. It, in the 90s, at the late 90s when I got into the business, the C market, which is the abstract indicator of supply and demand pressures, that is our basis for our prices, um, 
that had dropped to 40 cents a pound for Arabica coffee. Right now, the C market is at $2.64 a pound as a basis price. Wow. So on top of that basis price, when you're buying specialty coffee, you're buying that basis price plus a differential, which I, which you can think of as a differential premium. Okay. So that means that you add to the $2.64 a pound for May uh, C market, you would add maybe $0.80 cents a pound. So you're paying ton of money for coffee relative to what you used to. These are, like I say, for a while the market got up to two ninety five. Which is why based, coffee can cost like twenty bucks a pound, I guess, right? If you're getting it's Yeah. I mean it's why coffee should be more expensive. Because it's it, about eight ninety nine if you get basic coffee at the if I get regular beans yeah. at the grocery store, like a Starbucks bag yeah. or Peaks or something, yeah. it's about eight or nine bucks a pound. But it can't it's fourteen or fifteen if it's something fancier. Right. And what you're talking about as regular coffee was, you know, back in the day, I mean, not that long ago, um, regular coffee was Folgers in a can. Yeah. And the reason, and what's interesting about coffee in terms of how the market affects how people treat their coffee is that um, Folgers and Maxwell House, places like that, used to be the Starbucks of their era, but then they went through these pinch points where the market got super high, and as they grew and they had different economic pressures, they made decisions to blend down, to buy something that's a little cheaper, and so they wouldn't lose market share because of price. And the next thing you know, you're on that slippery slope where, you know, if you did something a little cheaper last month, yeah. well, now you can do something a little cheaper than that. Yeah. And they made basically sound business decisions to go cheaper, cheaper, lower, lower quality. And then that was like in the 70s when coffee was losing market share because what was available was not really as good as it used coffee. to be. Yeah. Hardly mediocre, right? By most right. people's standards. Well, by today's standards, it's a terrible cup of coffee. Ferociously vile. Yeah. Right. So, anyway. You know, Staples then, sells coffee. I used to work at an office that would oh, get yeah, the yeah. coffee from Staples, and it was either Folgers or Maxwell House. Oh, yeah. And you're like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. And it comes in this weird plastic container that you're supposed to keep in a cupboard. Yeah. For And it comes in, like, a, I think, like a 64-ounce bucket. Yep. That you're just going to take a, a scoop yeah. of coffee. Yeah, it's the coffee, that, yeah. coffee that can't get worse. Yeah. I suppose. It, it, it's good next year. It's going to be fine. The more it fades, the better it is. But no, those are those are the coffees that say, I hate my life. Right. Um, whereas what we're all doing in specialty is trying to do something that, like, our clients are, you know, buying and carefully roasting really great stuff, preparing it really well. You know, our guys have been doing great. So through the worst of the economic sphincter lock these last few years, our clients have grown, you know, more than ever. Right, because there's and a that, small, the, the, that percentage of the of the audience that wants that doesn't shrink. And I think a lot of people who have to cut out different pleasures are not willing to cut out something that they're addicted to. You know, <laughs> yes, it's true. Oh, as Ask. I drive around in circles looking for meth. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's me junkie. And, uh, but the, you know, my sister's a financial advisor, mm-hmm. and she says that she always tells people, don't give up the coffee. Mm-hmm. That's if, if that's if I mean, pick something to treat yourself. You know, yeah. you get sort of a Susie Orman kind of thing where you yeah. treat yourself to one thing. Don't forget to do that. Yeah. And most people choose. Well, I'm going to have my decent cup of coffee every day. Yeah. And and that's so I don't think that the market share. I do want to go back briefly though. So there's the Green Coffee Association, and then there's a specialty association above that. Well, or there's a specialty a association as well. Which is focused on basically, let's call it smaller volume, uh, more you know specific defect oh, right. spec that looks closer, even still. Right. What's so, the name of that? Is the SCA, the Specialty Coffee Association. Oh. So if you ever want to be in a rat's nest of geeks, you go to the Specialty <laughs> Coffee Association convention, or better yet, the Roasters Guild retreat. Yeah. Every summer. Retreat. Yeah, and we it's people who are specialty roasters in. Um, get together out, usually in the middle of nowhere, which is unfortunate, and geek out on coffee science and argue about stuff that really Just nobody else cares about. That's yeah, awesome. and uh, I had the bully pulpit there um, some years ago. I sponsored the retreat, and I, I got to do sort of the final address. And I said, you know, the great thing about coffee people is we don't just disagree. We get pissed off. <laughs> and you would think by how strong our opinions are that what we're doing is 
really like massively impactful on a global level. And it's really cool, and it is impactful, but on a micro level. Right. Globally, if that makes any sense. We are a tick on the elephant's ass relative to the coffee industry. Right. So if there's five and a half billion people on the planet, who are affected by the coffee industry, the specialty coffee industry? A hundred thousand? No. I mean, you could you could say it's in the millions. There you go. You know, but it's still... we. <laughs> The amount of passion we have for it outstrips the amount of impact we have in the world, right? Right. We're, Which is ideal. Yeah, I mean, it's a great life when you can, you know, do something every day that is that emotionally important to you. You know, yeah. so many people, it, you know, so much of what constitutes making a living is really amounts to basically whoring out your life uh, for somebody else's gain. And so to be able to feel really good about what you do is it, it, comedies like that, in the in the fact when you get a half a dozen comics together and it and it digresses into a uh, just a clusterfuck of, of of talking about things that no one cares because yeah. you know there's 220 people in the audience and they're gonna laugh. Yeah, they just wanna they just wanna laugh. They wanna have yeah. a couple of beers and uh, and laugh. So. Cool. Well, hey, I'm going to finish the thing on like yeah. what we do with this. Yeah, because you were given a, so, we were given some grams of raw beans so you, for someone to consider, stuff, right? You check it for green defects. You check the screen size because some beans are sold by a size spec. So it's you know seventeen. When they say a seventeen screen, they mean seventeen sixty fourths of an inch. Okay, that's Don't the size of the bean, right? Up. That's the size of the screen through which it will not fall. Okay. So you have this stack of graded, you know, graduate screens, um, yeah. smaller and smaller, and then you, you hold that stack up and you shake it. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like it's like you shake no, it like I, it's coins. First time I did it, I was yeah. down in Mexico and I was like, okay, here we go. And they're like, no, 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 that's not how, you know. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a thing you do. <laughs> you do it like this. A little roundy round. Yeah. Nice. So, um, we check the, the moisture inside of the bean. Um, so you With look, the model 920 moisture meter? Yeah, that, uh, yeah the short systems. Uh, Excellent. Excellent. So this is a Nicaragua that came in at about 11.4% um, moisture inside the bean. Now this is What are you looking Sumatra. for? Smaller or uh, less moisture or You want more? it between 10 and 12%. Okay. Because moisture is the medium that brings the heat into the center of the bean when you start roasting. Okay. So you think about it. If you don't have any moisture in it, the heat's just going to hit the surface and you're going to torch the surface and not cook the inside of the bean. So moisture helps, you know, yeah. the heat travel into the center of the bean to get that. This is a Sumatra, and this one came in, um, it's a pre-ship that came in at about 14% moisture. You see wow. how deep blue-green yeah. that is? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a- moisture, and that looks kind of sexy now, but as it travels, it's going to lose a little bit of the superficial moisture. And see how this one's a little white? Yeah. You're going to start to get that kind of fading throughout the whole batch. So it's too it's too moist. It's it's on the too moist side. Sumatras are interesting because right they taste musty, jungly, funky, loamy, weird. Yeah. Um, but really um, obvious coffees in terms of when you get a Sumatra, you know you're drinking bloody Sumatra, right? Yeah. So part of what makes them great is reflective of a pretty funky process. And a lot of the ones that cup out the best tend to come in around 13, 13.5% moisture. So they're technically out of spec according to the GCA, mm-hmm. especially Coffee Association, but they are still useful. So, And that's the thing about coffee. You know, in coffee, nothing's simple. There are no yes-no answers. There's no straightforward thing. There's, there's a wealth of opinion. And, you know, if you ask this woman what is the right way to do this thing, she'll say, absolutely this or you're an asshole. Right. Talk to this guy, and he'll say the opposite. <laughs> right. And, and in a lot of cases, they're both doing great stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's interesting. We try to apply a lot of science to it, and we do, but there is a certain amount of subjectivity. And there are things like the Sumatra moisture level, where technically it's wrong, mm-hmm. but it tastes lovely. It's so what am I going to do? Kick right. it out? You right. Know? Um <laughs> Good for you for so, being open-minded, man. Yeah. It's that kind of tolerance that I'm looking for in my. Yeah. That's. Uh, I have uh, essentially. I have like essentially just a very basic question. Kind of wrap it up. Uh, this yeah. has been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, is 
So when you travel, because you travel to all of these places, yeah, and you work with the same people, different people, um, you know, do you speak all of these languages? No, I speak Spanish. Right. Um, Are you fluent in Spanish, pretty much? I, I'm fluent like a five-year-old kid is fluent. Okay. Uh, totally able to get across what I mean, but, you know... Me speak funny time time. Okay, uh, fair yeah. enough. A so little a broken Spanish, that'll happen. Yeah, I mean, it's not terribly broken. I teach these courses on coffee analysis and, and coffee tasting, and um, I can get through the dang course. But I do always, at the end of the week, I always feel really badly for my course students who are just sitting there listening to me fumble along. But, um, yeah, it's good to be humble. It's yeah. it's painful when you're used to having language be your friend. Yeah. And then to get to a point where you just cannot articulate things the way you meant to. Right, right. It's, uh, it's, uh, and is it does it get better? Like, how often do you travel to, to look at coffee places? Um, Farms. Uh, it seems like a lot. It's probably, a, these days, at least a week, a month, on okay. average. You know, um, How's your now, Indonesian? Yeah, it turns out not so good. Not too um, <laughs> Fair enough. But the nice thing about coffee is that, given the fact that all the people I'm working with, at least at the exporter level, work internationally, you know, so they're they is... generally speak English pretty well. Has, so have you been to Ethiopia? Yeah, I've been to Ethiopia kind of a lot. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, Ethiopia is kind of like a pilgrimage for any real coffee person because that's where Arabica coffee was discovered. That's all the genetic stock of coffee in the world originated with Ethiopian Arabica. Oh, really? So, you know, that's, that's the friggin' holy land, man. Um, and I've, I've spent time down in Sidamo and Yergeshev. I've been out in Diradawa and Harar, out in the east. Right. Um, I spent a lot of time in Addis Ababa. I taught a number of Q-grader courses over there, these coffee tasting courses. Right. Worked as a coffee corps volunteer and, and have been to conferences there as well. So, Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. This is Glad awesome, Craig. Yeah. That was neat. Yeah, fun. All right. Participate in this cupping with us and just kind of listen to how we talk about coffee internally if you okay. have some time. Yeah. And yeah, if you have it. even more time, we could go grab a bite to eat next door and then come back and do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's Let's do it. Yeah. It's the witch. Uh, I think. I think you should. I don't know how much time you have on that thing, but uh, what, thirty-two hours. Okay. So it's fine. I think we should go get a bite to eat. And you should just leave it rolling. Okay, and then just edit it down. But no, I, I, I refuse to be edited. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the cupping? Where's the... The cupping's here. We'll, we'll pop over to Connie's restaurant. Okay. But Karen, I'm going to go grab a bite with these guys, and then when I come back, we'll do the cupping. Uh, my old friend is a producer, and um, there's another friend of mine down there who's a documentary film director, and they, they want to do a show about the coffee stuff that I yeah. do. So, um, she is over by Silver Lake, and there's a great there's a, it's Intelligentsia. It's actually Chicago-based. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, really cool plywood yeah. and tile, that blue and white tile stuff. It's a great yeah. name, too. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. just own it. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So the menu is really confusing. You can get breakfast if you want. Um, you can get lunch stuff over here. One has options, yeah. Wild Mountain Cafe, it's cool. Yeah, the native elements that it's awesome. I've been going for years to Earth Cafe, um, the one over on Melrose. Oh, right. Oh, over by the psychic. There's like a. There's like a, a Groovy tarot card store over there. Yeah. Healing. Yeah. And then there's Earth with a U, right? Yes. That's that it. is the one. Yeah. It's West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, kind of adjacent. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the fabulously wealthy yeah. actually. Yeah, it seems like it. But the food and the coffee's excellent. Coffee's awesome. Especially now. Yeah. We started selling a little bit of it. Um, are you recording? Are you recording? Oh, yeah. Hi. Oh, yeah. 
And where were you the morning of March 12th? You know, my audio guy was like, you know, we need room tone for every episode, not just one-time room tone. And I was like... What's room tone? Room tone is when nobody's talking. Yeah, when he... And, and he could just... He just, he's like, I only need a minute of it. Yeah. But I just need uh, sort of... What does the room sound like silent so that I can put that in places if I need to spread stuff up a little right, bit? And I was right. like... Yeah. So, let's talk about the police system. Let's talk... Hello. Just put that anywhere. I, I'm, <laughs> hi. <laughs> I thought that was nice timing. Um, yeah. So he, he was telling me that, that you're traveling with guys that have to go loaded for bear when they're delivering coffee. Well, we had a... I mean, there are places where, like, for example, Guatemala seems to be getting scrappier that way in the last few years. Uh, there was a guy from Bull Cafe, which is a huge multinational coffee company. He was out in coffee areas and was killed. Um, and then there's a guy who's up in Bellingham, Edwin Martinez. For his coffee or for money? money? Money. So, like, we had a thing last... Uh, I guess it was last season where guys that are, are going out to pay for the coffee that we buy from these villages up in the Ashiel Triangle, um, you know, out there, sort of call it north northwest of Guatemala. Um, you're driving out there with thousands and thousands of dollars in your in truck. In cash. Yes. Because no, you know, Mayan villager is going to want a check. And, right. And, you, you know, direct deposit in their bank account. PayPal or yeah, obviously not. So much. But, but the thing is, is, so then they have just boxes of cash. Yeah. Wouldn't... I don't know. But it's That's so weird. Yeah, what do they do with cash in the Mayan village? Yeah. Well, you go to any place where you're doing any trade, and uh-huh. cash is what's going to get you there. You know, you're not you're not going to be trading chickens. You have to have some cash. And it's fine if you're a villager with your little parcel of cash, but these guys were in a truck going out to four different villages that we worked with, so they had, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. In cash. And yeah. the guys that, that got them, they, they obviously knew they were coming. They had obviously paid off the police because they were sitting in exactly the right spot, uphill, bend in the road. Um, they weren't wearing masks. Oh, my gosh. Which means that that's why they knew they paid off the police. And what they did was step into the road and open fire with Uzi's. And they just shot the truck up, and one guy took a bullet through the arm, another guy apparently got one in the abdomen. They were both fine. But then they put them out on the road, like, on their knees, execution style. And these guys thought it was over. But they were so confident in not being caught that they didn't even bother to kill him. Wow. Just let him lay there bleeding. Um, wow. And took all the money. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of thing. Now, having said that, I don't want to give the impression that all these places I go are like some kind of Wild West stuff because, you know, we live in one of the most statistically dangerous countries in the world. So The United States? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the places I go, there, there's definitely some hairy stuff like in Colombia. But a lot of what's dangerous about it is very obvious. So, like, in Bogota, you don't just, like, get into any old cab. You let them call a car for you because that way you actually go to your destination and not theirs. Um, you don't, you know, like, and people are really good about saying, okay, I wouldn't go over here. Um, or, you know, this place is fine. So, for example, when I said, I want to do a motorcycle tour of Columbia with a couple clients, they were like, awesome, let's do it. Here's where we'll go. When I said, I want to go visit this village out on the border in Nariño, they were like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Or like back in the late 90s, I wanted to go to Sumatra. Right. You know, the Ache rebels were in full force at that time. And I said to our guy in Jakarta, Frederick, I was like, hey, I, I want to go visit. And I really want to understand what's going on with Cop in Sumatra. He goes, well, you can go to northern Sumatra if you want, but I will not go with you. I said, well, why not? He goes, because they will shoot us. And I was like, you know what? That's a fair warning. I will not go to Sumatra. Exactly. I will go so, in three years when it yeah. is stabilized. Yeah, now we have guys, you know, Al from my office is there every year. Chris has gone a couple times in the last three years. Um, you know, Columbia is a hard place to convince folks back here that it's safe, but it's become like my favorite place to visit. It's awesome. And there are, every country has danger, but Columbia has that, but it's also really wonderful to travel and amazing people, beautiful landscapes, great wildlife, you know, amazing okay. coffee culture. Um, you know, in Bo- 
Bogota. They've got a great food culture. There's a great, you know, uh, arts and lit scene. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just great. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm a big fan of, you know, don't. I want to go wherever I want to go. But if it's dangerous, I'm not made of stone. I don't need yeah. to go stand in front of the wall where they shot everybody in Egypt. Right. And but I do want to go to Egypt. But I can wait. Or yeah. See it in a video. It'll be fine until yeah. it's safe. Because I'm not going to run naked through the streets with money taped to my ass screaming exactly. what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to travel a little defensively. Yeah. <laughs> like a person. Common sense is a great asset. Um, it is. Yeah. Come on. Stick to our guns. Yeah. But it's interesting. Like, there are places like, um, you know, Nairobi. Cities are always scrappier. Right? Cities are always kind of a hassle. Nairobi is... Kenya's a great country, but Nairobi is kind of a funky town. You know, where I'm in the hotel and the, the guys at the front won't, they don't want me to walk three blocks to the intercom from the Stanley Hotel. They're like, no, my friend, you take a cab. All right. Um, so I took a cab and I got pulled over by some military dudes who wanted to know how much it, it was worth it to me to stay out of jail that night. Wow. And I was like, why Why would I go to jail? And he said, you were not wearing a seatbelt anymore. And I said, you don't have a law about that. And he said, I do. Um, and then it turns out he wanted he wanted 40 bucks okay and I I bargained him down to 10 and then in retrospect I thought what the fuck is wrong with you what do you care 40 bucks 40 bucks they'll always put that's true I'm sure I'd do great in a Kenyan prison Um, (laughs) you're like you know what they'll always be another 40 bucks (laughs) you know yeah no I, I actually had like a little retroactive panic attack in my room that night I got back and I was like why was I bargaining yeah that could have ended you've always been good at that in third world countries yeah just it's a habit yeah I won't pay ten dollars for this sweater I'll pay two yeah that's hilarious um yeah, so it's great. I mean, I, I just got to go to Bali. For yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Um, I'll take that. Which is a pretty wonderful place. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. Well, we're recording, and she put the glass down super heavy. Yeah. And I was like, I'll just take the glass. I didn't mean to boss her, but it was. I got. Well, I got a hairy eyeball. I did get a hairy eyeball. You pissed her off, and she's just getting the blowback. I mean, no. Oh, Seattle. Yes. You know what happens in Seattle when someone gets mad at you? They write you a note. Yeah. They write you a note. We got a note on the car yesterday uh, before the show saying we couldn't park our bar. Uh, our bus here because you were parked illegally but they didn't have the power to ticket or tow so all they could do was just write a nasty note and they had to leave that note by the way on four cars nice we were not alone in parking yet when it gets to be four cars you just gotta go you know it wasn't meant to be right you didn't when somebody parks in front of my driveway and comes to have lunch while my car is in the driveway, that's, that's being a peck of the way. But. Oh, man, I accidentally parked in front of a, a driveway, and I came out of doing the gig in L.A. over in uh, Echo Park or something. And I come out, and I walk up, and there's a guy looking at my car, talking to a guy who's in his front yard, and I was like, what's going on? And, uh, and the cop goes, you're blocking this guy's driveway. Why would you do that? And I said, because I'm an asshole. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and he goes, and because you know that, I'm going to let you move your car. <laughs> and then I get in my car, and he comes up to the window, and he goes, stop that. And I said, being an asshole? And he said, yeah. And then he walks away, and I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. I can, I'm working on it, sir. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it's great when you acknowledge your mistakes, it's so rare that it totally shuts people up. I rear-ended a guy when I was in college, and it was a truck that he had bought the day before. So he had every reason to freak out, but I lost my mind so completely on the side of the road. I was so mad at myself. He was just, he didn't know what to do. He finally ended up trying to calm me down. (laughs) So you've been to Indonesia and Colombia and Bolivia? Uh, And Ethiopia? Sorry, but fuck 
Bolivia. Fuck Bolivia. Yeah, because I. <laughs> so we, it's again nothing in coffee simple. So we buy on a fixed price basis okay. meet for uh, delivery at a later date. Okay. So in July, let's say, or let's say in May, um, some people in Bolivia agreed to sell me one container of fair trade organic coffee at this price. Okay. We so signed, the deal is made. The deal is made. It's signed. Months in when, when I'm able to sign that deal, I turn around and I do a back-to-back. I sell the coffee for a few cents a pound to the guys up here. Right. Over that previous year, we had brought really great clients down to visit these farmers, um, this group of poor, humble farmers, and <laughs> we had paid for a person Were they to, noble savages? Well, truly, they were. <laughs> they allowed us in to witness their strange ritual they called dinner. <laughs> You can hear the smacking sounds. Um, so we pay this lady down there to cup to taste all of the coffees that are going to come out because we're doing little small lots to fill a whole container. So then they raised the price ten cents, and we said after we'd agreed on the price, and we said okay, we'll do that. They raised another ten cents, and we said okay, fine. Sign the contracts. Everything's in. We do the sales contracts to back it out. We take a market on. We take a position on the market to hedge our, our long physical. We go short the market. And then a month later, they said, "Yeah, you need to open a, a letter of credit." Which it's no big deal. It costs a few hundred dollars, but it's like that. The time to say that is earlier when we're costing our stuff. And by the way, we're raising the price forty-five cents a pound. Now that would, for me, represent a forty cent a pound loss. Right. And I said, what do you mean? We, You signed a fixed price contract. They said, that contract's obsolete. And you know what? We don't think you can pay. And you know what? You're a cynical bastard. And you're just another rich white person trying to screw the Bolivian people and fuck you. And your business is ridiculous. How, how are we in this direction? What are you even doing? Why is this so difficult for you? What is your problem? And they just went on. And they just hammered me as an individual. Right. And I was like, you know what? A lot of people are defaulting these days. If you need to default. Just fucking default. Yeah. But don't attack me as, as a human being. Right. Did you not want to sell it your was, coffee beans? It was cr- it, I thought that's I was insanity. Well, because that's now 65 cents over the original deal, right? Right. But the, the trick is, they can go out, and I understand, you know, a lot of people at Origin have been screwed for a long time, so I understand the urge to maximize what you can make when you can make it. Okay. But, and a lot of people are doing that right now in this market, and, they're, and relationships, you're really finding out who your friends are. But nobody else who has chosen to default on me has blamed me for their decision to fuck me. Right. You know, like you are so, the face of the man. Yeah. You're not just the face of the man. You are actually the man. I was it. Yeah. You're one of the few people they probably met too. Ooh. They hadn't met me, but I had Al from my office had gone down there, and it wasn't. And it wasn't even like it wasn't anonymous at the point. You know, they. It wasn't a business decision. It felt personal, right? Everything. You know. That whole thing—it's not business. It's nothing personal. It's just business. That's just people. People just say that to justify being <laughs> shit. Yes. You know. Yeah. And everything is personal. At some point, when you're fucking somebody over, that is a especially very when it's a very face-to-face kind yeah. of thing. You're just like. Yeah. So I. Yeah. So that's why I'm so harsh on Olivia. Uh, Fair enough. I'm and sure. we we had two just two containers. We were really trying to establish some good stuff down there. We had two containers that we bought down there, and then the only two actual defaults I've had this Both year. from Bolivia. Bolivia. So. Huh. so I've, for coffee, I've, I've been through Brazil and Colombia and, you know, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Guatemala, and El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, um, Zambia, Malawi, Tanzania, Kenya, Ethiopia, Uganda, Rwanda. Wow. Um, Where don't they grow coffee? Indonesia. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Canada. So you basically go between the tropics of Cancer and Capricorn. What you want is high elevation, but no frosting. Okay. Because the longer you have, the more time you have for cellular respiration in the bean, the more time you have to develop sugars and acids. 
salsa, you get this really nice, dense bean that's just full of flavor. So, what? Yeah, that's. Um, so you need the elevation, though. Yeah. With no frost. Without the frost, and so that's why you've got to be you you know, in that belt equator. around the equator. Yeah. <laughs> but high. Yeah. High. That's wild. Yeah. So, and Brazil. You don't go to Brazil, do you? Well, I go to Brazil um, more. My my staff again, like Jen and Al, go there a lot. I haven't been there in ages, but hopefully going next summer during Carnival. Exactly. Um, yeah, guess where I never want to go? It's to Brazil during Carnival. It's like going to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. I'm, I'm good. I don't want to go to Fort Lauderdale during spring break. No. I I was in New Orleans the week for the first time the week after Mardi Gras this year. Oh, yeah? And I, that was your first time there? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by the French Quarter. I, I, it was all right. It was this great Royal Street, had great art galleries, and a lot of, met a lot of really cool artists. People in general were, were actually really nice. Had a lot of good interactions. But the whole... The whole city is dogged by this really ripe and vibrant poop smell. Like, it's not like that's old, unfortunate. It's like liquefied, slightly heated. But yeah. like fruit smell you get in the tropics too. It's just in the gutter. Yeah, yeah. yeah but just the vivid crap. It really it was hard to like enjoy a meal because every once in a while just a little bit of poop. Oh man. Not- Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. It looks great. Everybody catch the and hot sauce? Oh, I'll need a oh, uh, setup. Oh, okay. I think I'm going to take a... Nope. Wait, I'm going to take five. She's going to... She can back. Look at this. She's coming back with setups. Sweet. Yeah. Is it good? <laughs> Is it beautiful, wow. David? All right, then. Thanks. So I, I ate last night in uh, here in Seattle at a place called La Pastiche. Mm, wait, wait. Uh, it is over in, in Pikes, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice. Yeah. yeah there are a lot of good food options. Yeah. That is a beet soup. Nothing's holding that soup back from being beet-like. I like beets. It's a lot of beet. I like that, though. It's nice. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about it, you know, when you travel for coffee, you don't go to, you know, depressing, boring cities. You go to really cool places. Out, out, in, the, yes. out in the countryside, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. I read this article. They've opened up the area around Chernobyl for tourism. Uh, it's been 25 years, and uh, you get Geiger countered on the way in and Geiger countered on the way out. But they got people who work there in two-week shifts, because I guess you can't... I don't understand this. You can't shut down a nuclear reactor. It's like one of those robot things that you create and you can't unplug it. In science fiction. Wow. Mm-hmm. What they did with Chernobyl is they buried it under boron cement. And the boron absorbs the electrons, which is what radiation is. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cement just keeps it all globbed around the nuclear reactor. They, they, they took army aircraft and just dumped. Like you would be putting out a forest fire, but it was cement. And just globbed it on there and built a big mountain. Cement to encase Chernobyl. It's all you can do. Jesus Christ. There's no craftsmanship when you're trying to see. So, what's the half half life of this thing? Well, underneath, I think it's 20,000 years. But in the world, you're fine. You're, as long as you don't start hacking in there and find out what's underneath. Damn. My question is, off the coast of Japan is the Mariana Trench, which is the most seismically active place on the planet. And the Japanese built a waterfront nuclear facility, basically looking after the most 
there are plenty of places like when you get up on the slopes in Mount Kenya where it's actually you know, you've got it's not jungle but it's more forested than you would see kind of, you get some cloud forest and stuff like that um, Rwanda is interesting because it it you know, is pretty heavily forested, but they've got the most dense population, I think, of any country in the world, potentially. Because you get cities in other places that are massively densely populated, but Rwanda, it's a postage stamp of a country, and so there are a lot of people per square mile. That's one of the reasons that that genocide was so rampant, from what I understand, is that... But a lot of hilly areas and, and forested generally. And how tall is a coffee bush? Depends on the varietal. You get some that you know only grow a few feet, and then you get like old bone trees that grow up into a 15 foot tall or shrub. They have to hack them. Yeah, and they, they chop them down. They but like the guys in oh really? And they harvest with flash. You just you know you used to see a lot of people. They would hook hook the higher branches and pull them down. Yeah. Okay. Because if you chop down that tree, don't you have to plant a new tree? And... That's right, and it takes you know three or four years to get any kind of production. Well, that doesn't seem like the brightest economic Well, but you I've have to heard. do it if you let them just grow and grow and grow. They get all leggy and oh, right. not well, as dense woody production. And, okay. So you kind of have to... Yeah, you, and, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have several shoots coming up off of the face and they can trim back one, but you'll just rotate your farm. You always have an area that, you know, they call it a zoka, you know, mm-hmm. chop it down. Do bees, here's my question about bees, um, <laughs> do bees pollinate? Like, how is, so is coffee like regular, like a regular plant where the bees pollinate it and then? No. No? Something else is happening, huh? Yeah. Are there coffee flowers? Mm-hmm. They're beautiful. There's this wonderful sort of jasmine vanilla smell in the air when the coffee's blossoming. Wow. Um, but the big question is interesting. I never thought about it. Um, so if there are flowers, it's probably pollinated by bees. Yeah, I want to check into it. Yes. But they all the coffee. They bee, end up busier than even most honeybees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to think about it, but I don't think so. That's interesting because they they grow most of them in kind of a lab environment. And you grow your little seeds and you splice them out, and then you go. Is that is that my phone? Tell me about the movie. Oh, just. It's, it's basically a documentary um, series. So it's people uh, just following me around while I hunt for the world's next best microlock coffee. Okay. Yeah. That's just, you know what? The thing is, is that would be fascinating, obviously, just because people people want to follow other people around. <laughs> they really do. Well, he's grown out of mullet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it's going to be all Craig, the coffee hunter. The coffee hunter. It's a party in the back. I'm going to start drinking really heavily so I get those pouchy eyes. Oh, sweet. <laughs> My family's prone to it, so it'll come quick. Right, right. All you got to do is Both the drinking and the pouchy eyes. Right. Out. All right. I'm sick of recording things. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?